What's up, Whisper Nation, and welcome in to another matchup preview show. This is week 11, and we're going to work through some of the games on the slate here. We go through every fantasy-relevant player and every single matchup. Right here. I'm your host, Big Travi. You can find me on Twitter, at Big Travi TFW. And tonight I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend, ARC, Austin Sear. You can find him on Twitter, at Austin underscore R underscore Sear. Austin, what's going on, man? What's going on, Big Travi? Great to see you tonight. Great to see you. I like the tie-dye sweater you got rocking there. Thank you. I made just... it myself when quarantine was earlier, and this is supposed to be like a shot to the heart, kind of like how most of my fantasy picks have been for me this season. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> it looks just like that. For those uh, just listening, he's got a, a pretty bad A uh, white tie-dye sweater that with all sorts of pink and purple and blue on it. Yeah, this part great. here is from Dak Prescott, and this part over here is from Saquon, <laughs> and the little part at oh, the bottom man. is from drafting Kittle. Well, before we get too depressed, we might want to jump into some of these games here. We're going to help Whisper Nation preview these matchups, uh, decide who they're going to be able to start in these ones. And so without further ado, we've got a few for you here tonight, Austin, that we, we assigned you to dig a little deeper in. We're going to start with the Cincinnati Bengals visiting the Washington football team. Yeah. This is a 46 and a half point over under Austin, and you've got the Washington football team favored in this one by 1.5 points. I don't know how they're going to get that 0.5, but that's how Vegas does it. Um, When we look at the Cincinnati side of the ball, it starts and ends kind of with Joe Burrow, and this has been a high-volume pass attack. No, it really has, right? Um, Joe Burrow has been throwing the ball as much as he has to throw the ball. And for the Cincinnati Bengals, that has been quite a bit. It's still not a good team, but they have a lot of exciting playmakers. And from a fantasy perspective, they've got some guys in here you need to be keeping your eye on. And I think that this week is going to be a great week for some of these wide receivers and possibly Giovanni Bernard to bring you home a W. Yeah, Joe Mixon just does not seem to be close to coming back in this game, correct? Um, uh, how are you feeling about Gio in, in relief for uh, Joe Mixon? I'm feeling pretty good about Giovanni Bernard. Um, he now has Samaj P. Ryan, who's in on the running back situation for the Bengals now, which you got to be cautious of Pirine really wasn't a factor a couple weeks ago when Mixon went down it was the Giovanni Bernard show and Pirine came in last week and he's going to keep getting work based on what he did last week with seven carries 48 yards and caught the one pass attempt thrown his way but Giovanni Bernard he didn't do poorly um, he just didn't blow you away eight carries 30 yards on the ground you like to see that uh, seven pass attempts went his way caught four of them for 17 yards 68% snap share for Giovanni Bernard uh, compared to 25% for Samaj P. Ryan. So Giovanni Bernard is the back to start, but it's not as limitless a ceiling as it was when Gio was really the only back in town. So keep an eye on P. Ryan. He's going to be involved, but Bernard is the back to roll out this weekend until Mixon comes back. Yeah, I mean, obviously a rough week last week, but played Pittsburgh. And Washington's defense been pretty good, but not as good as Pittsburgh Steelers have been against the run this year. Um, I, I imagine we'll get closer to the 13 and 15 touches that Gio got uh, a couple weeks ago. Travi, I wanted to ask you, though, because looking at this, and I'm, lo- I'm looking at P. Ryan and Giovanni Bernard just get these chunks on supposedly the NFL's number one rush defense. Do you think Cincinnati showed up last week, or did Pittsburgh's defense disappoint? I would say it's probably a little bit of a combination of both. Since he didn't really play all that well until the second half, um, and then and then they were kind of pushing the ball down the field a little bit, trying to work a little bit better. I I would say for, you know, eight carries is not exactly – they got game scripted out here, I think. And, and if you're looking at Vegas's line here, 46 and a half, with a only – you know, Washington only favored by a point and a half, Geo should stay pretty active in this game. 
Yeah. Uh, so we talked a little bit about Joe Burrow. How are you feeling about Joe Burrow against Chase Young, the number one pick uh, for the Washington football team and this defensive line? Do you think that you can start Burrow? And what does that mean uh, for those pass catchers you mentioned earlier? Right. So the Washington football team's defense is sneaky all right. Number yeah. 10 in rush defense, number 10 in pass defense. They know how to play. And Alex Smith, game manager extraordinaire, came in last week and isn't going to create a lot of opportunities for the opposing team from turnovers and boneheaded plays and just really poorly executed drives. So you're going to have to be on your stuff a little bit more. And despite that above average pass and rush defense, I'm expecting a decent showing here from Joe Burrow. I mean, we've seen it capable of Joe Burrow, really no matter who they're going up against, unless they're outside of the week five matchup Burrow had against the Baltimore Ravens, where he only had 19 completions for 183 yards um, and not counting his first game there week one, where he had just 193 yards. Um, the man's gotten over 200 yards, usually gets over 300 yards and has shown you like he did in week seven against Cleveland, he can get over 400 yards. Um, usually gets you a couple of touchdowns. And I think you're going to see that trend continue, if not grow against Washington. I think it has a really competitive makeup for it based on the defensive metrics of Washington. It's going to make Joe Burrow have to show up, um, but I don't think that's going to be a problem uh, for the former number one overall pick here. And I expect to have a pretty good day. Um, between Joe Burrow and then with the rest of his receiving options here in T Higgins, um, AJ Green and Tyler Boyd. All right. So let's, let's talk a little bit more granularly about those guys specifically. I want to talk about Tyler Boyd and T Higgins. Cause it looks like those are the guys we can count on each and every week. I mean, you look at Ty Tyler Boyd has had eight or more targets in all, but three games this year. He mm -hmm. continues to be a really good special you know, slot receiver for a guy in Burrow who used the slot a ton in college. We kind of figured this could happen, but then T Higgins breaking out in his own right. Yeah. Now T Higgins has been really exciting and you've watched his targets slowly increase. And the last two weeks he's had nine targets thrown his way when they were playing against Tennessee, when they were playing up against Pittsburgh, um, caught six passes against Tennessee for 78 yards, caught seven passes last week for 115 yards. T. Higgins has already broken 115 yards twice this season. He's broken 70 yards uh, three more times on top of that. And his duds are getting fewer and farther between. He hasn't dropped below 60 yards since week three against Philadelphia, where he pulled in two touchdowns that same week. And to keep in mind of these numbers, we like to say about 1,000 yards in the course of a season is a pretty good season, right? Oh, he finished with 1,000 yards on the season. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong, it's about 66 yards a game that you need to hit 1,000 yards. So I kind of look at that metric as like, are you on pace to hit your 1,000-yard mark, which we would identify a receiver hitting that milestone as having a pretty good year. And, I mean, you look back, go from week 10 backwards, 115 yards, 78 yards, 71 yards, 125 yards, 62 yards, 77 yards, all with getting over with five targets or more. So I'm feeling really comfortable about Tease Higgins' floor, and I don't think we've hit his ceiling yet. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think we've also bottomed out on A.J. Green, right? Like, I think we're going to not be able to trust A.J. Green. He's put up a couple weeks, week one and two, where he's getting target volume. Then six and seven, got some more target volume. But then a dissing, disappearing act again for us. I just don't know if it's going to happen with Joe Burrow and A.J. Green this year. I don't think you can bank on A.J. Green in any way, shape, or form. But if you are one of those teams in a really – you need to swing for the fences on it. I'm looking at a guy who's received double digit targets in two of the last four weeks and saying, well, like it's AJ green still, obviously he has skill. Obviously 
We know what AJ Green is capable of. Do I think that's going to happen? No. But how many receivers are there out there still getting deep five to 10 targets every single week? Um, AJ Green is one of the few, and he's like the only guy I've ever seen do as poorly with those targets that I can remember. I mean, 0 for 5 last week, 2 for 5 the week before, 7 for 13 before that. Um, you love you the 13 targets, but the seven catches, you'd like to see a better reception from that. And you go back other weeks, 0 for 1, 1 for 5, um, and the yards have been underwhelming. We said all this great stuff about T. Higgins' floor and the 125 yards, 115 yards he collected last week. A.J. Green, despite these massive target loads in some weeks, still hasn't broken 100 yards on the season. And last week he had zero yards. Week five he had zero yards. Um, week eight he had 19 yards. And so, I think the problem, too, that you're seeing, not to spend too much time on A.J. Green, but A.J. Green is still viewed as the number one wide receiver in this offense. So he's getting all the toughest coverage to go his way on top of just not having the chemistry with Burrow and not really being the most explosive A.J. Green we've seen uh, in years past. He was on the field more than Tyler Boyd was last week. 83% snap share for A.J. Green, 80% snap share for Tyler Boyd, 85% snap share, though, for T. Higgins. Love to see that rookie coming in and doing work. Love me some T Higgins on the Washington football team side of the ball. Awesome. We've got Alex Smith. We mentioned, I put him in the waiver column because since he just gave up over 300 yards and four touchdowns to big Ben and then Alex Smith has about 700 yards or so in his last two games, any interest at all in going with uh, Alex Smith against Cincinnati here. If you're feeling desperate, I'm really impressed with Alex Smith's recovery as I know anybody in the football world or just the world in general who has seen how many surgeries and what that man has gone through to get back to the position he is. And the position he's gotten back to looks to be exactly where Alex Smith left off. And that's an ability to stretch drives, get first downs, collect yards, but he's just not, I, I hate the term game manager. Um, it, I feel it just takes so much away and it, it does a disservice to what he's doing. But Alex Smith is just not a real threat. He's not someone you're scared of if you're playing against him. He's not someone you're super stoked about if you're playing for him. Um, it's kind of like last week's – it's like the perfect line, right? 370 yards for Alex Smith and no touchdowns. And it's, it's – yeah. Yeah, I think that's the thing is he's not going to have a lot of upside with the pass catchers outside of Terry McLaurin, right? Because his other pass catchers are really running backs, and that's really where he's dumping it off. And so that leads us to J.D. McKissick, who – you know, maybe not exactly the prototypical back here, but seems to be the guy that's on, in on more snaps and doing more work for this offense. No, see, seriously. And if you have sleeper, you enjoyed J.D. McKissick having a wide receiver designation for you. Right. And that's pretty appropriate considering he gets more targets out of the air than he does on the ground. J.D. McKissick last week had just eight carries for six yards, less than a yard per carry. Um, did have a touchdown, which is nice. But then the targets, 15 targets last week, for J.D. McKissick, um, pulling down 43 yards um, on those seven catches, on those 15 targets. And this is just kind of what we've seen. Um, or excuse me, that was in week nine. Last week, though, um, no, no, that, that was last week. The week before that, he had 14 targets. Right. So J.D. McKissick is, I mean, 14 targets week before last, 15 targets last week. I don't think that trend's going to – or that trend will slow down. Um Washington's going to be playing from behind, maybe not this week so much, but it's going to be part of what they deal with, and that's going to keep J.D. McKissick involved. I mean, even in that game last week where they weren't ever out of game script, McKissick still got uh, the 15 targets. So in the other game against the Giants where they're coming back, it's 14 targets. I mean, this is his role, and Alex Smith is very comfortable with a 
crappy offensive line to dump it off to J.D. McKissick and not break his leg again. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Antonio Gibson, though, is the RB12 in PPR, RB11 in standard, and that's he's very touchdown dependent, but he has been scoring the touchdowns to get it done for you in fantasy this year. 4.2 yards per carry. I love to see that in the man's rookie year, and I feel like that's something that should be respected because he's playing on a team – He's not getting a ton of help. I know their line isn't atrocious. I know they've got some bright spots here and there, but he's got a lot of odds stocked against him, and he continues to show up. And last week he had, you know, just six attempts, 20 yards, 3.3 yards per carry, but he did pull in that touchdown for you, and he was three for three on targets through the air, 35 yards, and he does a little bit of everything for you and I think they want him to be an integral part of their offense moving forward which is going to mean they're going to continue to see what he's about really regardless of where the Washington football team's record is at or their trajectory he's going to continue getting work because he's a core part of this offense moving forward even though he had 38 percent snap share last week um still comes in they design plays for him they want to see what he's about and he's a good football player you're going to see his name for a while yeah, I think we can go ahead and start both these backs and feel good about it as as main parts of this offense. Speaking of a main part of this offense, well, let's move to the wide receivers and talk Terry McLaurin. Austin, Terry McLaurin is a wide receiver one specifically or, or especially in PPR, but he's on the fringe wide receiver one status, also in standard as well. Wide receiver 13 in standard, wide receiver nine in PPR. How are you seeing what Terry McLaurin's able to do regardless of quarterback? It's you look at the way he's able to run routes. You looked at pro football focuses evaluation of Terry McLaurin's rookie season. And you looked at how good he was actually coming out of the draft. Terry McLaurin's a little bit older than most people think. Cause he's just a second year player, but he's 24 years old. And it 25. looks like he's, 25, excuse me. Yeah. It looks like he's taken a lot of that experience um, and factored into his game. He has shown an ability to create separation against defensive backs um, regardless of who he's playing up against. He's got great hands. Um, it doesn't really matter how accurate that throw is. If he can put his hands on it, he's going to pull it down. And that would give credit to where he, Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, Alex Smith, Terry McLaurin continues to produce. The man has broken 100 yards three times. And if you just take a look at the last month or so, 95 yards, 115 yards, 90 yards, 74 yards, um, with a couple of touchdowns thrown in there. The man is a legitimate wide receiver, um, and you're going to see him uh, doing really good things for Washington for a really long time, regardless of who their quarterback is. Any of the ancillary wide receivers or even Logan Thomas piquing your interest for this game specifically, are you feeling comfortable starting any of those guys? You know, Logan Thomas is – I, I do like Logan Thomas. The man was on the field 100% of the snaps two weeks ago. He was on the field for 99% of the snaps last week. Um, four for six last week, 66 yards. It's, it's about what you can hope for looking at a tight end who's not one of the big tight ends. It looks like he's getting more involved. Um, let's remember, this is a former quarterback who's now playing mm-hmm. tight end and who's been doing pretty good work for him. And I think he's just going to get a more entrenched role and might end up being that number three receiving option behind J.D. McKissick and Terry McLaurin. Um, Kristen might have a couple of things to say about that, but Logan Thomas has out-targeted him. Um, out yarded him recently and I, I think that Logan Thomas is an okay back end tight end for you yeah six targets back-to-back weeks at this point like you can't really complain about that and you can't really complain about tight end because outside of Kelsey everyone's letting you down for the most part uh, let's move on to our next matchup we have the Los Angeles Chargers hosting the New York football Jets this is a 51 and a half point over under with the Chargers only favored by two and a half in this Ooh. one 
And that's just maybe a, a, an, a you know, a shock to people, but that's just what the Chargers are. They end up losing games they shouldn't lose, and I would not be surprised if the Chargers gave the Jets their first win. Let's start with the Jets. Let's uh, look at that side of the ball, and it should be pretty quick. But you did say off air you were excited to talk a little bit about the Jets' offense. Who's piquing your interest? Who's got you going here the most? Well, there are a couple of pieces to legitimately get excited about. Um, but for me personally, I had been amping him up all offseason, and it's just such a great thing to finally see Brashad Perriman healthy, active, in the game, and catching passes from Joe Flacco. My goodness, uh, the last time they played in Week 9, 98% snap share, uh, seven receptions, five targets, 101 yards, and two touchdowns. And Joe Flack, I mean, we'll see how their quarterback situation in New York continues to go forward. But Rashad Perriman's health has been nagging at him since offseason. We were really excited about him going back to his college days, being a number one or first round pick for the Baltimore Ravens. A lot of health issues, um, maybe a couple of, of character concerns or um, just some just some issues overall. But the talent was always there. And we saw that play out in the last three weeks of his time with Tampa Bay when Mike Evans and Chris Godwin went down and he just balled out for three straight games over a hundred yards and four touchdowns uh, between those three games, New York picked him up on a one year. Let's see it deal. He's been hurt since the off season started, um, but he's healthy now as much as he will be. And last week we saw him ball out. He's got all of the intangibles, all the capabilities um, to have another big game. And I, if you need a flyer, I bet Rashad Perriman is available for you and going up against the chargers. I know their pass defense ranks number 11, um, but Brashad Perriman, he's just got that type of playing ability where he can take the top off and get you 100 yards and a touchdown, no problem. I want to talk a little bit about Jamison Crowder. Uh, do you think the emergence of Perriman hurts Crowder, or do you think Crowder maybe still nursing some injury? Why didn't we see some of Crowder's consistency in this last game, do you think? And, and, and how do you feel about him going forward? Because this was a guy, you know, earlier in the year when he was healthy, you had to start. Yeah, no, for real. He was getting targets like a monster. Um and doing a lot of really, really good work with all those targets last. I mean, every single game he's played minus last week, he's had double digit targets, 13 targets, 10, 10, 13. Last week, he just had two targets. Um, he had been looking like a near must start. I couldn't tell you what happened. I didn't catch any news of having an injury or anything going on there. Maybe you did, but um, he just came out last week, two catches, two targets, 26 yards, did catch that touchdown. Um, I would still feel comfortable with Jameson Crowder unless we hear some injury news. He's just been so consistent, and he did it with Joe Flacco and with Sam Darnold as well. I think those two play really different styles of football. I think they can complement each other really well. I think that the football Jets are going to be behind like always. This week might be that exception going against the Chargers, as you mentioned. But I feel fine about um, both receivers and Crowder and, P and uh, Rashard Perriman. And no, I don't think they limit each other. I just think they give the Jets a better chance of collecting first downs and rolling the dice on one of them getting a touchdown um, or potentially a LaMichael P. Ryan running back um, that Adam Gay said he wants to get involved and make the number one moving forward. Are you buying either Frank Gore or LaMichael P. Ryan as a start this week uh, up against this Chargers squad? I... I mean, Michael P. Ryan really hasn't done anything to get us excited yet, but being the for sure starting running back on a team, on a game that looks to be a competitive game, I'm intrigued by that. I like uh, a, a good game flow for sure back that they're just trying to prove. It's it's a nice thing when 
LaMichael P. Ryan could come in, have his first five runs go for three yards, but you know the volume is going to continue because they've said they want to see what LaMichael P. Ryan is about long-term to see if they need to go out next year and potentially consider picking up another halfback. I mean, the man's best game has been 40 yards on 11 attempts back in week seven. He picked up a touchdown that week too, got you an even 10 points. Um, Oh, 10.16 with his receiving yards there. So he hasn't had any games to come home with. He hasn't had any highlight plays to get you excited about, but the opportunity is there in a game that game flow looks to be on your favor. On the other side of the ball, Austin, we've got the Los Angeles chargers and Justin Herbert, who is making his case for offensive rookie of the year, um, continues to put up numbers each and every week in one way, shape or form. How do you feel about Herbert in this matchup? He's been consistent as far as fantasy football is concerned. I don't think you're benching him against the Jets anytime soon. No, no, he's super um, efficient and consistent from a fantasy perspective because he keeps giving the ball to the other team and they score and then they have to play from behind (laughs) and go and throw these Mondo touchdown passes all the way through. So, um, you know, he's really good from a fantasy football perspective right now. You love to see it. Um, If I was a Chargers fan, I'm not saying I'm getting whiffs of Jameis Winston. He threw for 5,000 yards, you know, last season with Tampa Bay and 30 interceptions as well. But I'm not suggesting that Um, he's not anywhere close to that level. We're talking 19 touchdowns, six interceptions. It's actually a really, really good ratio. Um, They just as a team haven't found ways to win yet. And Justin Herbert hasn't gotten him over the hump. I think he will. But he hasn't he's he's thrown for two or more touchdowns after week four moving forward. And he's thrown he usually three touchdowns, four touchdowns, three, 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 two, two. So he gets you multiple touchdowns. Uh, he usually breaks 250 yards and he's going to have a lot of opportunities with a great cast of weapons around him. I like him this week going up against the worst pass defense in the NFL. Number 32 out of 32 for the New York football Jets from a defensive perspective on pass. Yeah, and Herbert's been so good because we talk about this all the time, especially at quarterback, your supporting cast matters. And maybe one of the better supporting casts he's got in the NFL, and that's Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Hunter Henry. Um, Between those three, are you comfortable starting all? I mean, we talked about how how good this matchup is. We're rocking and rolling with those guys, correct? Yeah, for sure. Um, Keenan Allen is top wide receiver this season. He's in every single game. You never know when he's going to get 15 or 20 targets. It's silly. Um, and he's doing really good work with it. Big Mike Williams is an amazing boomer bust play whose busts are getting higher, it seems, each week that the season progresses, and his rapport with Justin Herbert gets a little bit tighter. Um, you know, five targets last week, seven targets week before that, eight targets before that. Um, he's had I mean, just 38 yards last week. It was a dud, but 81 yards, 99 yards, two weeks before that, 109 yards. Boomer bust play. I love the possibility in this game. And then you had mentioned as well about Hunter Henry, another guy who's gotten just nothing but opportunity. He feels like almost like a Logan Thomas pro for me, or or Logan Thomas, like a Hunter Henry light, if you will. Mm. Hunter Henry's talent, we all know what he's about. He's very, very big. He's very, very fast. He's nimble. He's a great physical prospect. Um, He's been getting the opportunities in on the field, like 99% of the snaps. And he hasn't gotten below. his, His lowest output is four targets in week eight. And other than that, he's, I mean, six targets, seven targets, seven targets. Um, He just, he's just not really doing a lot with them yet. His 
peak yards on the season is 83 yards back in week two, 30 yards last week, 33, 33, 23, the three weeks before that. So he hasn't done it yet, but he's on the field like 100% of the snaps. There's no other tight end behind him. And he's a really good pass catching option for Justin Herbert. So it's going to happen. You're not taking him out of your lineup, even if you get another little bit of a dud game. You're, you're, you're just not. Yeah, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Another thing that's not making a lot of sense is Kalen Balaj is back on the ma- radar for fantasy football purposes. He has now been the lead back over the last two weeks for this Los Angeles Charger squad. Justin Jackson been a little bit dinged up. Josh Kelly just showing us that he's probably just not ready for any kind of future role at this point. And then, of course, uh, you know, you've got uh, Austin Eckler nursing his way back. So, Kalen Balaj, I wrote about him as a, as a nice pickup in the waiver wire car article, and this is a matchup you're going to target and look to get him in your lineup. Right. We talked on last week, I think we, you and I talked about the Chargers a little bit, and we said keep an eye out for Balaj, and it was – at the time, well, Balaj has actually been sent back to the practice squad. Right, right. Um, dilly dilly, you are now back in the practice squad dungeon. And Jackson hit the IR. Balaj came back in and had 68 yards on 18 attempts and caught five or six passes for 34 yards. You know, it was just 3.8 yards per carry last week compared to his 4.6 in week nine. We've seen Kalen Balaj. Maybe it was a product of Adam Gase's wizardry of making players a lot worse than they are this sure time does seem Miami. like it but he, he was he was really good week nine he was okay week 10 he's going to get more opportunity in week 11 and if he doesn't do good work against the new york jets and the number uh actually the jets is number seven ranked rush defense they're not a bad rush defense but you're going to need to show up as Kalen Balaj and come in. And if you want to keep playing in the NFL right now, this is a great opportunity to come in and solidify a role. Because as you mentioned, Big Travi, this is not Josh's Kelly, Josh Kelly's year to show he's a number one halfback. He's going to stay relevant, stay in there, spell the lead. And right now that's Kalen Balaj. I'm excited to see what he can bring this weekend. He's a great uh, person to keep an eye on if you're in a running back needy spot because he's probably available in your league. Yeah, six targets, super encouraging. We'll wonder if that is how they attack this Jets defense because you did mention it. It is a little tougher. All right, our final matchup tonight is the Sunday night football matchup here. Austin, we're going to talk Las Vegas Raiders hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. It's a 57-point over-under. The Chiefs favored by just a touchdown in this one. Not a you know one of the smaller lines for them this year uh, as dominant Super Bowl repeat favorites. Um, as we look at this game... Uh, before we before we look at this game, uh, if you're new to the channel, go ahead and click subscribe, click the like button, and let us know what you're thinking about this matchup in the comments. We'd love to get to those questions and help you win your week. Let's talk about the Chiefs side of the ball, Austin. We got, you know, we know what we get. We get Mahomes, and we get the wide, we get Ty, Tyree Kill, and we get Travis Kelsey. We know we're rocking and rolling with them. I want to talk about the backfield though, because. CEH and Le'Veon Bell, if you were you were afraid a little bit of Le'Veon Bell at first, maybe that eased, but then lately it just doesn't seem like they're running a lot. Right? Um, they are not getting a lot of attempts at all between either one of them, which you hate to see. Uh, for CEH, 14 uh, yards last week on uh, five attempts, 21 yards the week before that on six attempts, uh, 46 yards on eight attempts. Week before they go back to week six, 26 attempts for CEH. You'd love to see that, but eight, six, five after that. And then, yeah, he's getting involved on the reception game here uh, with four targets, three targets, five targets the last three weeks. But 
man, they have so many options in Kansas City, so many opportunities to get it done, which they are getting it done. They don't need to turn to one person. They didn't need to turn to CEH. Um, and you look at Le'Veon Bell, the last few weeks he's been involved with the Kansas City Chiefs um, for rushing attempts last week, six the week before that, six the week before that. And he's not doing a lot with them either. CEH has been actually outperforming Le'Veon Bell from a metric standpoint, um, which makes you very happy as a CEH roster. Um, I said it a few weeks ago. I think that Le'Veon Bell is going to be a mirage for fantasy purposes. Um, he's going to have a couple of games here and there. It's going to be impossible to predict. Their entire running game looks regressed. They don't need this running game. At the same time, Patrick Mahomes' stats have increased. A little slower start for Patrick Mahomes on the year, and he's emerged now as the Patrick Holmes you drafted in the first or second round. And um, CEH is still the back to start, but um, Le'Veon Bell is there. It does cap his ceiling a little bit, but the whole run game is, is something just to keep an eye on. I think they straighten it out, and you can be a little more reliable in the run game, but, but right now you got to hold your breath. Yeah, and Le'Veon Bell yet to get over 40 yards as a chief. Uh, I just don't know if you want any part of that. And then you, you talked about CH getting more of the receiving work out of the backfield there. So we let's talk about Le'Veon, right? And yeah. he's going to be a receiving option for them. That hasn't transpired yet. Yeah. Zero I, targets I, his first week, three the next, one the next. He's had four targets since he's I been they, in Kansas City for a total of 26 yards. Yeah, and I, I think they – picked up bell as a, as a depth piece with some upside for them, but it's just not going to do anything until CEH or something were to happen to CEH with the pass catchers, specifically Tyree kill. We know what he's going to get. He's been very solid over the last month, basically the whole season so far, he's been really good. Some of the regret positive regression has been coming his way from last year without Mahomes in the lineup. But I want to talk about outside of Tyree kill, especially in this matchup. Cause I have a, I have a sneaking feeling, you know, the Raiders are, are the chiefs only loss. And they embarrassed him a little bit in Kansas City. I could imagine Kansas City uh, coming out here and trying to put a walloping on the Raiders. Um, and I think that could mean big things for some of the pass catchers in this offense. It definitely could. And you just got to keep an eye right now on a couple of question marks. The two wide receivers you would, under normal circumstances, outside of Tyreek Hill, be keeping an eye on would be Sammy Watkins and Nicole Hardman, both of which are dealing with issues. Sammy Watkins could be coming back week 11 from his hamstring issue that's kept him out for the last several weeks. Nicole Hardman is dealing with some COVID restrictions right now. We still don't know if he actually tested positive for COVID or he was a part of uh, the tracing program. This happened before the bye. The good thing for both of them is they both have a chance to be back. I mean, you got to keep an eye on that, though. If neither one of them are in, though, oh, my goodness, Darnell Robinson could be in for a smash spot. Even Pringle, keep an eye out there for him. Patrick Mahomes has an ability to really get anybody involved. Um, and Pringle could be having uh, Byron Pringle a huge game or Demarcus Robinson. Demarcus Robinson would be the number one if Nicole Hardman and Sammy Watkins are out. Uh, but to keep an eye on the health of Watkins and Nicole Hardman, as you said, this could be a really um, explosive game for the Chiefs. And obviously, I don't want to leave out without giving some of the fanboys for Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes their due. Travis Kelsey is on an absolute tear this year. He continues to get double digit. He has 12 or more targets, Austin, in four of his games this year. Um, he has 76 or more percent snap share in every game. He's got one, two, three, one, two, three over 100 yard games. Um, he's got touchdowns galore i mean the the positive regression is there for travis kelsey He's after a very last good year. wide receiver yeah <laughs> he really is 
He really is. And then Patrick Mahomes, you know what you're getting there. On the Raiders' side of the ball, things are a little more cut and dry as well. We know that it's Josh Jacobs and it's Darren Waller that kind of make the offense go, but Devonta Booker has kind of slowly been creeping up as like an ancillary piece for this offense. Yeah, he's definitely the one to spell Josh Jacobs. It's not Jalen Richard. And Booker has gotten a little bit more involved as the season has progressed to last week collecting 16 carries and posting an impressive 81 yards, grabbed a couple of touchdowns, and caught his one pass for two yards. But Booker can run. He's not going to take over Josh Jacobs, but this could bring Josh Jacobs' ceiling down a bit. Now, that didn't happen last week. 21 carries, 112 yards, two touchdowns of his own, and four for four on the targets, 24 yeah. yards. Big Travis, you and I were talking about if Josh Jacobs could just collect a handful of aerial targets every game, that takes him into real RB1 territory. Um, he's not doing enough with those targets yet to be anointed into that class, but he's getting those opportunities. They're winning games. That's the part I think is the coolest thing of this whole Raiders squad is you've got some rookie wide receivers. You've got some kind of toss out receivers and guys like Aguilar and I won't put Renfro in that bus, but in that camp, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and they're still just winning games, including against teams like the Chiefs. I'm excited to see what this Raiders team could do moving deeper into the year. Henry Ruggs kind of had a big game against the Chiefs last time that they played, but this wide receiving room seems to alternate who's going to pop off each and every week, if yeah. anybody. Some weeks, none of them do. Uh, yeah. Any interest in this game where you would you would think that a pass catcher could get it going? Or do you think it's going to be a, a keep away? We talked about the backs and we talked about like the last time they played, I think the, they uh, Vegas ran it 30 times. Do you think they play more keep away or are they going to try and have to push the ball down the field here? Well, if the, I don't think the game plays out the way it did when these two teams met up earlier in the season and the Raiders and the Chiefs. And you had mentioned before about the Raiders winning this game and the Chiefs wanting to come back and make a statement versus the team that gave them their only loss on the season thus far. And if that's the case, that means they're going to come out hit you early, go up quick, and force the Raiders to play from behind. If that's the case, game flow would encourage wide receiving options this week. And if you had to go with one, I'm rolling with Henry Ruggs. I know that Aguilar has been the target. He's been taking in uh, most of the passes and doing the most with them. But the last opportunity we had to observe the Raiders, um, week 10, 62% snap share for Ruggs compared to 60% Stap share for Aguilar. So, I mean, it was just one play, but Ruggs was on the field more than any other wide receiver was. Um, he also had four targets, uh, which was tied with Aguilar for the most on the team, um, outside of Waller, who had five. Um, and he caught three passes, which was tied with Darren Waller for the most amount of receptions on the team last week. Ruggs has the most explosive play to his game. This is the fastest wide receiver. In last year's draft, he was the number one wide receiver in an extremely talented wide receiver class. I don't think Ruggs is going to emerge as the best wide receiver from that class, but he might be the fastest receiver in that class who be, could be collecting a lot of targets this week. Um, he was the number one wide receiving option for Carr last week, and if they do get down early, keep an eye out for Carr to be looking at Ruggs to narrow that lead. Darren Waller's been up and down like most tight ends, but he continues to be a top five option most weeks. Um, nothing really to report here with Waller, Austin. You, you've got to fire him up, right? You don't You don't sit Darren Waller. You never sit Darren Waller. Um, you know, in PPR formats, he's tied for the tight end too. He's right there. But it's just kind of been, as you pointed it, out of a disappointing year. The If you take out the touchdowns, just look at his yards the last several weeks, 37 yards, 22 yards, 27 yards. 
50 yards, 48 yards. It's not numbers you're really stoked on, but this is still enough for a top three tight end. That's how tight ends go. It's the position you've got in your, in your squad, just like your opponent does as well. I would rather have Darren Waller than probably almost any other tight end, you know, outside of Kelsey, outside of a couple of options there, obviously. Um, but Waller's your guy and you feel really good about it. Not compared to a wide receiver running back, but you got running backs and wide receivers to fill those roles. Austin, Derek Carr started off the year with four out of six games with 20 or more points. The last three weeks, he has not broken 20 points. How are you feeling about this matchup? This is a high over under 57 points. You should feel somewhat okay about Derek Carr into this one, but the Chiefs secondary has been pretty good, and it seems like you maybe attack them on the ground. Are you interested in Derek Carr at all this week? You know, I took the bait last week, started him in a league <laughs> record going up. It's another game Vegas suggested was going to be a high-scoring game against Denver. Um, Denver does better on the ground defending the run than they do in the past. I was like, hey, this should be a great game for uh, Derek Carr and not so much Josh Jacobs. Flip that, though. It was an amazing <laughs> game for Josh Jacobs. Derek <laughs> Carr got you like seven points in fantasy. Um, but this week, I don't think they're going to have that luxury of running the ball 21 times with Josh Jacobs and 16 times with Devontae Booker. I think this ends up looking like a game where, you know, Josh Jacobs had 15 carries and Devontae Booker had four or five and Derek Carr was forced to throw the ball over 30 times a game. It's the game for Carr to step up and have to produce for the team to win. But I've taken the bait and I've, I've, I've bit the hard one here and the Kansas city chiefs do have the third best pass defense in the NFL. Um, they're no slouches. So Derek Carr really could come out and try to do his best, throw the ball a bunch, turn it over two times, get you one touchdown. Um, I think that this is a good run for Carr. Carr's deep ball metrics have looked really good. Um, the opportunities have been there, but the last couple of weeks have been really down. Um, but if you need a streamable option, it's you can't look at the numbers and say that Carr is a bad streamable option this week. All right, well, let's help Whisper Nation win here and start working through some of these matchups, Johnny. The first one on the slate is Jacksonville Jaguars hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a 48-point over-under. Um, with Pittsburgh heavy favorites in this one by 10 points over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, when you look at the Pittsburgh side of the ball, Johnny, it seems like they're, they're starting to get a little bit more fine-tuned over the last couple of weeks and actually start to put it on their opponents. Um, and I think that's starting with better play out of Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, they're they're starting to put it together just like my fantasy team and uh, the league of record is starting to put it together, dude. And I love it. Listen. Ben Roethlisberger, there was a lot of questions coming into the season, but his elbow has been holding up. You know, there was like, also, he's like super tough. You saw him come back and play uh, when he had like a double knee sprain. And, uh, and I mean, he's just tough as nails. So uh, I know there was a little bit of doubt playing him in last week's game. We told you that, yeah, if he gives it a go uh, to play him. And if he did, he, he had a good fantasy day. And guess what? I'm doubling down this week, Big Travi. We're going to say play Ben Roethlisberger again. I love him as a, as a play this week. Jacksonville giving up the third most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks this year with about 22.9 on average. And check this out. Ben Roethlisberger is fifth in deep ball attempts this year with 43. He averages about 4.8 per game. Jacksonville is giving up the sixth most in explosive plays on the year. So you can be looking for uh, uh, Deontay Johnson and some Chase Claypool 
uh, you know, big splash plays this week. But we'll get we'll dive into those in just a second. But uh, yeah, I definitely like Ben Roethlisberger. Hey, yeah, I mean that's exactly what you're you're setting up Ben Roethlisberger basically because he's got all these weapons, right? And so you talked about Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool. Talk to us about this wide receiving core and how you feeling. Like on paper, this is a pretty good matchup. Should you feel confident in starting all three? Yeah, actually, when I first started diving into uh, the research here, I knew that I was that you're most likely going to start Deontay Johnson. Listen, Deontay Johnson is a uh, start from here on out. He's a wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside. Uh, he has the second most air yards on the team with 598. He's seen at least he's seen ten targets or more in all but one full game he's played in Travis uh, so if he's playing and he makes it through the game you could bet he's getting at least 10 targets and uh, this matchup super juicy top eight and points allowed to the wide receiver position with 26.3 so I already knew that Deontay Johnson was going to be a start but the question was all right do we start chase can we predict him to be uh, a reliable starter this week? Uh, and then the bigger question was Juju Smith-Schuster, right? Who started the, the season real piping hot, cooled off, and then seems to kind of be heating it up again. And the answer is, I'm definitely starting Chase Claypool 100%. Uh, and if you have both Deontay and Chase Claypool, I don't mind starting them both. Because once again, I told you. Uh, it, what does Jacksonville give up the most in air yard, or he, they give up the most explosive plays? Well, who's been getting the most air yards as of recently? Well, that is Chase Claypool, who leads the team with 715 air yards, uh, and he's seen nine plus targets in each of the last three weeks. Travis, I think he's moved into a solid wide receiver two, uh, with also the wide receiver one upside weeks if it's his given week. Uh, and then you talk about Juju, right? Like, because that's going to be another big question. We'll probably see a lot on Sunday morning, uh, you know, when we go live 90 minutes before kickoff uh, on our YouTube channel. I'm sure we'll get asked a lot about Juju. And I I don't mind firing him up either. We, he's seen a little bit more of an uptick. He's seen seven or more targets over the last four games. Uh, and once again, we talk about Jacksonville giving up a plethora of points uh, to the wide receiver position. I think this is a game you can start all three. I like it too. I, th I look. I think starting all three is the way to go here. Just in in these kind of matchups, right? We've seen it with Cincinnati and Dallas over the last couple of weeks. You could start all three, uh, so to speak. And I think that's going to continue here as long as they're healthy. And really, it just pushes the ceiling up for a guy like Ben Roethlisberger. What about Eric Ebron? Uh, we've kind of seen him just be that steady Eddie as a tight end. Uh, you know, as a middling, middling tight end can be this year. Yeah, I bet you at the end. Well, I don't bet you, but I, I, I would, I would foresee because I don't a hundred percent. Yeah, I know, right? Um, but I wouldn't be surprised. You wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked if at the end of the year we look up and Eric Ebron is like a top seven tight end, just because he's he's been really consistent, and especially over the last four games, Travis. Look at this: eighty four percent snap share or better over the last four weeks, and he's averaged. Uh, 6.2 targets over that span and 39.5 receiving yards per game, which doesn't sound like a whole lot of receiving yards. I get it, but at the tight end position, that's a lot more than a lot of them get, unfortunately. And then he's been able to get in the end zone a, a couple of times. And then you look at the matchup once again, top four, Jacksonville's top four in points allowed to the tight end position. So I'm good with uh, continuing, 
continuing to play Eric Ebron this weekend against Jacksonville. Over the last couple of weeks, James Conner has really struggled for his GMs in fantasy football in two pretty nice matchups in Dallas and Cincinnati. This is another great matchup on paper. Are you concerned for James Conner, or do you think it's just a couple of bad games and he should get it right here against Jacksonville? Now, Jacksonville giving up the seventh most fantasy points to opposing running backs on about 20.9 on average. Listen, uh, it is a little concerning with James Conner and, and what he's been uh, you know, doing over the last few weeks. Uh, he's only seen less than uh, – well, let me tell you. I'll give you some – some exciting news, something that may might make you a little bit uh, easier to take down in the cough syrup, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, only he's only ha he's only played in less than 57 percent of snaps twice this entire year, uh, and one of those games was Week One when he got injured, uh, and then he's seen 15 or more touches in all but one game. Uh, this this year and that was versus Dallas where he saw 11 and that was kind of an odd game script if you remember so uh, he, I think he's one of those guys that falls in the category kind of like the Todd Gurley or the you know rest uh, you know rest on IR uh, David Johnson when he was still playing where it's like he's going to get volume uh, there is potential there for him to have a, a, a good week, especially because of the matchup. But um, they rest on IR, like rest in peace, but rest yeah, in exactly, rest on dude. IR. Like hopefully he comes back, man. Yeah, rest on IR, dude. Uh, so yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm firing up James Conner this week. Yeah, I think that's the right call, but it's nice to appease Whisper Nation's mind if they've got, you know, James Conner and they're watching it. You know, in half PPR formats, he scored under six points in back-to-back -back games. Um, I think he gets back to form here against Jacksonville, especially as heavy favorites in this one. On the Jacksonville side of the ball, like, you know, jo Johnny, I don't think we're starting Jake Luton, but can we talk about what Luton in this game means for DJ Shark and any other pass catchers you might be tempted to fire up against Pittsburgh here? Yeah, so Keelan Cole had a major week last week. Uh, we were hoping that it would be DJ Chark. Uh, he missed on a long bomb uh, to kind of make his fantasy uh, owners happy for the day. But Keelan Cole uh, got the touchdown. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, if you look at it on paper, he's got the best corner matchup, according to Pro Football Focus, with Cameron Sutton, who's giving a .25 fantasy points per route ran. So... Uh, you would think that, hey, maybe you got a shot there outside of starting DJ Chark, but ultimately I don't I don't think he repeats. Pittsburgh uh, does give up top 12 in points allowed to the wide receiver position, so there are points to be had there, but I think it's a, a really big gamble, and I would give you a huge uh, you know pat on the back if you, you had the cojones to start him this week, uh, but I just think that uh, Luton, uh, Luton is going to be under a lot of duress, and the only person that I'm uh, even somewhat confident throwing in there is DJ Chark, who since week five ankle, ankle injury, uh, he's played on 86% or more of snaps. Uh, so you're, you're liking the confidence uh, of him rolling out there in this matchup. Again, Pittsburgh allowing 12th most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. So I think they'll get him the ball. He's been targeted uh, you know, 20 times over the last two weeks. So, uh, yeah. 
James Robinson is the starting running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he's just been a stud, really, Johnny. Like he's just been really confident and 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 rolling out there every. You've been really confident rolling him out there every single week. I don't think that even with this tough matchup against Pittsburgh, you could bench that kind of volume. Yeah, I must say I don't know why I always end with so yeah. I need to like I I that was uh, an ending I need to work on there. Um, but yeah, because say... really you don't give me any room for any kind of transition when you do that. But anyways, yeah. uh... no, I know I need to work on it. as a co co pilot here. I I will work on that. I apologize, but you know who needs to uh, not work on things? That's James Robinson, who has been just killing it. For fantasy uh, people who roster James Robinson who picked him up early in the season, right? He's only dipped below four yards per carry twice this season. Um, you know, you don't like the matchup. Pittsburgh gave me up the second least amount of points to the running back position with only 14.7. But Travis, he's playing the vast majority of snaps. He's also seen 20 plus touches in all but three games this year. And then... On top of all that, since turning the uh, turning the ball over to uh, Lutton, Luton, sorry, I keep mispronouncing his name, Luton, uh, he's seen 27 touches and 28 touches. And you best believe, even though the matchup isn't great on uh, you know, on paper, certainly uh, the D line or offensive line for Jacksonville has actually been pretty pretty good and so this will be a, a nice battle in the trenches matchup here um, so just based on volume alone I believe James Robinson is a good is a fine play this week just limit your expectations a little bit the only thing about Luton is since he's taken over uh, James Robinson two targets in the first week five targets the next week but only caught two of them for three yards so his receiving has dipped a little bit with Luton in the lineup I wonder in a game like this if he could get scripted out, if, if Luton's going to be able to get him the ball consistently. But I think you can't, like we said, I, I don't think you can steer from him here. It's just something to watch. Uh, our next game looked like a good one on paper, Johnny. I was really excited about this one when the schedule was coming out over the last couple of weeks. But now both quarterbacks in this matchup are at risk of missing this game. The Carolina Panthers host the Detroit Lions here. It's a 48.5 point over under. You've got Carolina favored by 1.5 points. Um, this is a situation on the on the Detroit side of the ball. We're just kind of waiting to see what's going to happen with Stafford. And even if he goes, Johnny, it's got to concern you about him and the pass catchers here. Yeah, it's really unfortunate because this was such a juicy matchup on paper. Top five in points allowed to the quarterback position for Carolina. So you're like, oh, it's Matthew Stafford. He also showed you a really nice game last weekend uh, to give you a little bit more confidence in playing him. Uh, listen, the Lions are optimistic that Stafford will be able to play through the partial tear in his ligament in this right thumb. But once again, it is a partially torn ligament in your right thumb, which he is right handed. He throws with that. Um, so definitely I would not I would not be confident in starting Matthew Stafford this week. I would look elsewhere if I could. Um, and then you talk about the pass catchers, Travis. That does make me concerned, you know, because as I was like putting this together, right, I'm like, Kenny G, the last time Kenny G was coming off of uh, an injury, I was like, hey, we need to be cautious. It was against the Cardinals. And what do you do? He went out and he scored a touchdown. So I'm like writing this up and I, I have to believe that if he's out there, you're going to be starting him, but you got to majorly temper your expectations. But 
if Matthew Stafford doesn't give it a go, I don't think I, I play him at all uh, based on uh, the backup going in. Um, so, and if that's the case, I wouldn't play any of these wide receivers at all. Um, I would play Hawkinson still um, because of, you know, that kind of connection usually, or that is like the, the go-to position uh, for backups and rookie quarterbacks and things like that. Um, so Plus Carolina, pretty good matchup too, right? Yeah. Car- uh, well, as far as wide receivers, it's a tough matchup. Carolina bottom six and right. points allowed to the wide receiver position. Yeah. Uh, but as far as the tight end position, yeah, Carolina's top 10 in points allowed to the tight end position so that they kind of funnel it to the tight end and let the tight end do damage. So yeah, you're, you're absolutely right right there. That's a, a something that they can take advantage of. Let's talk about the running backs over there for the Lions. Your boy DeAndre Swift continuing to do good things for those who have invested in him and continue to trust him over the last few weeks. So break it down for us here with DeAndre Swift. Break it down. So with DeAndre (laughs) Swift, you are, listen, he's no longer one of those guys that you need to ask whether you need to start him or not. I think especially going against Washington, we saw everything we needed to see. It wasn't a great matchup on paper. We told you to start him anyway because all the arrows were pointing up and the, uh, the stats were saying he's looking good, play him. And if you did, you were heavily rewarded. And they named him the starter on Sunday. So, um, you know, I, I doubt they renounce that this week and say, oh, we're going to go back to Adrian Peterson. Um, but if you look at this, Swift handled 21 touches compared to six between Adrian Peterson and Carrion Johnson combined. So since their week five bye and, and we since their bye in week five, Travis, uh, Swift has only seen less than 14 touches one time, and that was week eight against Indianapolis. So that was a difficult run matchup, one of the best in the league. So uh, you can kind of understand that. And then you look at this matchup, Carolina's top four in points allowed to the running back position. I think this is going to be a major DeAndre Swift game. I think they're going to lean on him a lot, especially with Matthew Stafford being banged up. And it that's the other thing that you looked if you watch this game on, on tape is DeAndre Swift, not only did he look good uh, when he got touches he got better as the game went on and so i i definitely think that this could be a big deandre swift game on the carolina side of the ball johnny it looks like teddy bridgewater is at risk of missing this game uh which then puts a damper on some of the weapons so talk us through because obviously i don't think we're starting teddy even if he goes uh he's just kind of been disappointing over the last couple of weeks but let's talk about robbie anderson dj moore curtis samuel these wide receivers before we get into the running game as well. Yeah, so the matchup isn't amazing. You've got uh, you've got D- uh, Detroit giving up 23 fantasy points per game to wide receivers. It does seem a little bit bad. You know, you see Detroit, but they are kind of a run funnel team. We'll talk about Mike Davis in just a second, but uh, they tend to allow a lot more uh, yards on the ground, so teams tend to run on them more. And so it already wasn't a great matchup on paper. Uh, and then you throw in the Teddy Bridgewater and it just makes you not want to start any of these guys, frankly. Uh, you look at Robbie Anderson. I wanted to bring this up, too, because I think a lot of trade deadlines, Travis, uh, are Friday, right? And hopefully you're listening to this before Friday or uh, if that's, you know, maybe Sunday, I don't know, for your league. But uh, Robbie Anderson, I believe, could be a potential sell high, somewhat of a, a, I mean, it's harder now with the Teddy Bridgewater injury, 
but but over the last few weeks he's really seen a dip in production travis he's played he only played in 71 percent of snaps last week he was really blanketed in that matchup and then six weeks since week six i say that 10 times fast he's only seen eight uh he's only seen more than eight targets one time and he's only scored one touchdown all time so it, it, he's really getting that kind of Robert Woods treatment this year. Uh, uh, you know, if you're not familiar, Robert Woods last year scored a lot. Like he was getting a lot of receiving yards, but the touchdowns weren't coming. And then you look at DJ Moore on the opposite side. Since week five, Travis, he's only seen more than six targets two times. So still the volume isn't high, but he's caught at least 93 receiving yards in four out of the six weeks. So he's being a super explosive for the very little targets that he's getting. So that's why I still would consider him, you know, a flex option this week because he, we've seen him do a lot with the little targets that he's getting. Whereas Robbie Anderson needs a lot of targets and he's still not producing a lot of fantasy points. Any interest in Curtis Samuel with, especially with Teddy Bridgewater, maybe potentially out this game? Yeah, not at all. And even so, like I, I, I think Curtis Samuel is, is a bigger trap than pe- people realize. Um, I understand he was scoring fantasy points, but I, I, I think it was a little bit fluky. You have to realize he, even during all of that, Travis, this is wild. Even during all of those fantasy points, uh, joyous, uh, you know, the leprechaun finding the the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. It seemed like you had done that with Curtis Samuel uh, because he was like overtaking, you know, target market share from DJ Moore. But then you look at it, Travis, and he's only seen more than 70% of snaps four times a season. So it wasn't like they were, his usage was going majorly up. I, I just think it was, it's a little bit of fool's gold with Curtis Samuel. Yeah, I, I tend to agree, and I think that people were trying to get high off of just a little bit of, like, action that he got, and, like, now we're looking at a situation where, especially with Teddy out, like, we don't want anything but Mike Davis, and I think he made a very good case for DJ Moore here. Let's talk about Mike Davis, though. Uh, he had the thumb injury that he left Week 10 with. Are you confident, based on what I'm reading here from the beat writers, uh, there's a situation where Mike Davis is probably going to start again here? Yeah, based on the fact that he came back and and still played, it it made it seem like it wasn't too serious. I'm guessing maybe it was just dislo- dislocated. I say it just dislocated as if that's not painful enough. Um, but uh, he did come back in this last week and play after that and get goal line carries and all that. So I did expect him to play in this game. Detroit gives up the most fantasy points to running backs this this year at thirty point four. Uh, I'm definitely starting Mike Davis in this matchup. I do think, once again, because of the quarterback situation, we could see a more heavily run game script in this game. And so, yeah, I'm starting Mike Davis. But I do want it to be noted, I I might also try to sell Mike Davis a little high right now, especially because, uh, you know, some people need a win this week. They see Mike Davis, juicy matchup uh, and all of that. But... Mike Davis has really slowed down, Travis, over the last few weeks. He's really not been the same uh, kind of running back he was and producing, you know, in the beginning of the season. Now, some of that was matchup based, but some some of it he's had some good matchups and he didn't produce. So uh, just be a little bit cautious with Mike Davis this week. I think he's more of an RB2 and not an RB1 that the schedule or like, you know, it would look like if you're looking at it on paper. 
Yeah, so in the last eight weeks, just to echo that point, point there, Johnny, in the first four of those eight weeks, the first half of those eight weeks, he had 13 or more carries in, in all those games in the first four. And then the last four, he only hit that mark once. Um, so you're seeing a situation where he is slowing down. And, and yes, one of those games did include Christian McCaffrey back from injury. Um, but uh, this actually two did. But one of them, McCaffrey left with the shoulder injury as well. So this is a situation where I just think you're right. I think Mike Davis, especially if you could go to that CMC GM and say, look, why don't, you, why don't I give you some insurance down the stretch here? Um, and especially you could target uh, the, the, the matchups that he's got, Detroit, Minnesota, Denver, Green Bay, some really nice running back matchups. All right, uh, last one uh, for your matchups that we gave you here, Johnny, was Houston Texans hosting the New England Patriots. This, i got to find, <laughs> lost my spot here. Uh, the the uh, Houston Texans are, or I'm sorry, the New England Patriots are favored by two and a 48.5 point over under. And we saw, we have seen a little bit after... Some rocky roads for Cam Newton. We've seen a little bit of a resurgence through the ground game uh, for him. And so I want to start there with Cam Newton because this is on paper a pretty good matchup, especially through the air. Um, but it's also a really great matchup to opposing running backs. Could Newton capitalize on that? Are you starting to like what you're seeing out of Cam? And is he a good streamer this week? Initially, you look at it, 14th bet, uh, Houston is 14th uh, most points given up to the quarterback position. So not great, but not terrible. And you're like, eh, it's Cam Newton. And then you look at what you just said, right? Houston giving up the second most fantasy points to opposing running backs. What did we hear them say and talk about when, on the national game on, on Sunday? They talked about how they were the coaching staff understood through week 10, okay, we know what we are. We are a run-heavy team. And Cam Newton it, it can pass the ball if needed, but we're going to run this through Cam. And I think that that's what you're going to continue to see. I think that they are dead honest in what that is. Now, this matchup does dictate that there will be some passing yards there. And I'll tell you uh, what I think about uh, the pass catchers when we get there. But I do think that Cam Newton is a, a nice, decent play this week. Listen, I don't think he's going to get the ceiling games that we saw in the first two weeks of the game of the of the season but i think if you need uh, a bye week fill-in uh you need a solid 25 points 20 to 25 points from your your quarterback this week i think cam will get it done and i think that that is something that not a lot of places talk about not a lot of uh you know fantasy football channels talk about travis is knowing your matchup you i mean especially our listeners, we at Whisper Nation is extremely intelligent and they can look at their matchup and basically say, all right, I've got an outside shot or I should be in this game or I should win this game if I do the right moves or I just need to make the right plays. And if you ju make the judge there and say, you know, I just need a solid quarterback play. I don't need a high upside swing for the fences kind of play. Cam Newton's your guy. I like that, um, and, and really the emergence of him has also been coupled with the emergence of Jacoby Myers over the last couple of weeks. So how are you feeling about Jacoby Myers as a pass catcher in this particular matchup against Houston, who doesn't have you know one of the best world-beating uh, secondaries out there? You know, and how, how dare you, Travis? How dare you mention Jacoby Myers and first put the receiving prowess there and what he could do against the receiver when... He scored a, a he's a passing touchdown. Forgot, yeah. yeah, exactly. So you should have said, will he double down and score another passing touchdown 
first, all right? So that's the should be the real question. No, uh, in all honesty, I do like him though in this in this game. Uh, top twelve in points allowed to the wide receiver position. Houston's defense gives up about twenty five point four fantasy points per game on average to opposing wide receivers. So. I do think that Myers, he's getting the vast majority of this target market share. And so I expect a lot of that uh, to go, a lot of those targets to go through that, go through him. He's played on, check this out, 98% of or more of snaps in the last three weeks, Travis, 98% or more. So he's on the field almost all the game, all the all the plays on offense, which you love because that gives more opportunity for him to potentially be involved in a play. And then he's also seen at least six six targets and fifty eight receiving yards in four straight games. So he's got a very nice floor, even though his name is Jacoby Myers and he plays for the New England Patriots. And a lot of people might be like, I don't know if I necessarily want him on my team because he's not a, a named guy. Travis, like he's yeah. not a guy that, you know, uh, Sally down the street really wants on their team. So I don't know if I want him on my team, but you should go pick him up because he's got a great matchup this week and he plays Arizona next week as well. So that's another good uh game that you're going to want uh, uh some pass catchers in so jacoby myers start him this week houston has been a defense that we consistently target uh our our running backs in for fantasy purpose you know other than duke johnson last week kind of letting us down that's also paid off quite a bit i'm not sorry not not duke johnson he plays for houston uh so pretty much both running backs for Cleveland. But you were right. Duke Johnson did let us down uh, <laughs> yeah, last week. But both running backs for Cleveland, I'm sorry, got 19 carries against this team last week. Uh, so it, the, the trend continues that Houston is, is a, a matchup to target. So that should mean one of these running backs for New England, whether it's Cam Newton taking all the rushing touchdowns or one of these other guys should actually get it done. Any interest in Damian Harris? I think I want to start there because he was the most impressive last week. Since week seven, Harris has seen at least 10 carries in every game. Travis, he's averaged just under 18 carries per game uh, over the last three games, right? And uh, he's had only he's only rushed for less than 70 yards one time this entire season, uh, which is means that he's got a lot safer floor than people uh, would like to give him credit for. I think he is a guy that, once again, if you need a solid running back play, I think you pop him in there. You hope that he breaks a long one to get into the end zone because it doesn't seem like for some odd reason that they don't want to use him around the, the goal line. Uh, they use Cam Newton or they'll use Rex Burkhead, uh, but they don't use Damian Harris. Uh, so uh, they're he lacks that major upside right that you would really like but he's very very solid floor i believe and if you need just someone who will get you some points for the running back position uh you know if you're in a ppr league he's only he hasn't seen a lot of targets so it's more of a standard uh play here that i feel a lot of, a lot more confident uh, any other back, like if you're going to start Harris, would you feel confident at all at Rex Burkhead? He's kind of been involved in the passing game. Do you do you feel that here that he could get, you know, desperation flex mode at all? Yeah, despacito. If you're, you know, listening to a little Jay Beebs, 
and and need a running back and uh, need to throw a dart. Rex Burkhead, uh, there are a lot of worse running backs you can go and pick up. I will say he's had four straight weeks uh, of declining snaps. He went 49%, then 46 then 43 and then just last week you only play on 37 percent um but oddly enough most people would say well that's got to mean that james white is seeing an increase in snaps right so i'd want to play james white then well that's not true as well james white has also seen a d uh, a dwindled uh amount of snaps over the last three weeks and just last week he only played on 14 percent of snaps so I would say that Rex Burkhead seems to be the guy that is there around the goal line and has also kind of take o- taken over that James White role uh, there. And we have to remember, James uh, Rex Burkhead, they really did like him when they signed him. They pried him away from Cincinnati. Cincinnati thought they had a, a real steal and a running back there because he could do a lot. Uh, we know Bill Belichick loves him. He just could never stay healthy. So they seem to like him in the red zone. So, yeah, if you need a dart throw at the running back position, Rex Burkhead is out there on the waiver wire. Again, the matchup would dictate, yeah, he's worth a stab here. On the other side of the ball, we've got the Houston Texans. And although they had a throwaway game last week with a lot of their offense, I think we're still starting their studs. Deshaun Watson, um, maybe Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks here. but. Walk me through the wide receivers because we've actually seen Brandon Cooks get a little more volume. Will Fuller have a little more pop. What do we think about against this New England secondary, which has been up and down, but still has Bill Belichick as its head coach? I got some bold calls for you here, Travis, on this show. Yeah, I just woke you up, didn't I? It's like we're recording this a little late. I needed to give you a little spark, and here you go. Uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, listen, you're definitely going to still play him unless you have a, a better matchup, which hard to say you have a better matchup quarterback than Deshaun Watson, but it could happen. Maybe you have Herbert. I would rather play him this week um, because uh, you look at the, uh, the matchup here, bottom four in points allowed to the quarterback position. Uh, so New England is actually pretty good against the the opposing quarterbacks and then you look at the pass catchers right so you're saying will fuller you know like i should definitely start him he's been pretty solid so far uh been the wide receiver one for deshaun watson or you would think but as you dig a little deeper you know as we like to do around here at the fantasy whispers we look at a little bit of stats here travis and new england bottom 12 and points allowed to the wide receiver position so i'm already a little bit shy and away from will fuller and Brandon Cooks and, and Randall Cobb a little bit. But then you also look at the matchups here. And Will Fuller is supposed to draw Stephon Gilmore. Uh, I mean, it's still early. Stephon Gilmore hasn't um, practiced yet, so we don't know 100% if he's going to give it a go. But even the backup uh, corner behind that uh, is a, a pretty good corner. And when you look at Will Fuller statistically, Travis, uh, He has struggled to top 60 receiving yards when facing a top 10 corner in the league. And so uh, I definitely think that people should put the pause on Will Fuller. If I have Will Fuller, uh, again, we'll monitor the situation here, but I'm not liking this cornerback matchup. I do not think Will Fuller has a good game. I would, though, play Brandon Cooks. Uh, I uh, Once again, a, a little bit of a revenge game. Uh, you know, the stats wouldn't say um, 
you know, that you would have a lot of confidence in Brandon Cooks because he's only top 70 receiving yards three times this season. But as of now, he should get J.C. Jackson, who has been giving up, uh, on average, 0.31 fantasy points per route ran. Brandon Cooks, as we know, is on the field quite often, uh, or the most uh, of the three uh, wide receivers. And um, so I like Brandon Cooks here. And then a sneaky guy here. I don't. I wouldn't really have the confidence ever to like. I'm talking like 16 teamer. Um, maybe if you're really, really desperate, Travis on a 12 team. Um, but Randall Cobb should get a really nice matchup here with Jonathan Jones, who's giving up the uh, the most. So he's giving up 0.36 fantasy points per snap. So I could actually see them uh, using Randall Cobb a lot to uh, help move the chains there. Talk to me about Duke Johnson. He he had a bad week last week in his starting uh, position against the Cleveland Browns. How do you feel against the Patriots this week? I'm really upset, Travis, uh, because... I can tell. Yeah, uh, I know you can because you know me well. Uh, but earlier, we went live on a show, uh, and, well, you would ask me... Couldn't tell, well, I, I, it, all the days are blurring together now. I can't remember if you asked me or if we were on a live... But you said, who is a buy low? Can- oh, it, was, it was on live. It was on Monday live reaction show. Uh, someone asked, what is a buy low running back that you can get? This is the last week uh, before uh, their trade deadline. And I was like trying to think on the fly. Uh, I couldn't really come up with a great answer. And as I'm doing research, I'm like, oh, duh. Like, why? Didn't-? The answer is Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson is that running back that you should go and grab right now because he underperformed last week and everyone thought he was going to ball out. And here's what I'll tell you. Duke Johnson was given the opportunity to play all day long. 98% of the snaps in week 10, they were confident in Duke Johnson and his ability. I understand the matchup isn't fantastic, which means that you can potentially get him even cheaper because he didn't perform last week. And New England, bottom 13 in points allowed to the running back position. So you'd be like, well, why would I ever want to go and play him? Why would I want to trade for him? This is all down arrows. And I'll tell you, because they're giving him all the carries. And last week, you need to chalk a lot of that up to the bad weather. The weather was horrible in Cleveland. And I understand like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were killing it. But that's because they have a really great running game. Uh uh, Texans don't have a great running game. They have a good running game. And so I do think that Duke Johnson has a better game this week. I think you can start him as an RB2. Well, that does it for us on this part of the matchup breakdown, Whisper Nation. Make sure you are subscribed over to us on YouTube so you can get all the breakdown information that we do. New content every single day. For Johnny Game Time Hicks and for Big Travi, I am the fan... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you are the fantasy whispers. I, I am the fan- <laughs> For Johnny Game Time Hicks and Big Travi, we are the fantasy whispers, and we're out. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whisperers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whisperers. <laughs>